Yo, what's up, everyone? This is Must Go Faster, a pop culture podcast for the people. I'm your co-host, Ben Brandlinger, broadcasting from Brooklyn and out in Long Beach, California. It's Robert Denfeld. How's it going, man? Hey, man. Good. Uh, it's good to be back for this second episode. How are you doing? Doing great. Doing great. Excited to uh, get into today's topics, given uh, oh, yeah. the, the, cr- the craziness of, of, of Sunday night. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so this is our second episode. Uh, you can check out our premiere episode on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Uh, thanks so much uh, for the support so far. It's really meant a lot. Uh, we really love hearing your guys' feedback. Yeah, it's been really fun to hear from people and hear that people are listening to the show and they enjoyed the first episode. Um, we've gotten some really good feedback, some critical commentary, which is great. Uh, we appreciate everything. And uh, just a reminder that you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MustGoFasterPod, and our website is MustGoFasterPod.com. And so, yeah, let's get into it. Great, yeah. So in this episode, we'll be recommending the new movie Get Out, a website called TheMagicIPod.com, and the new HBO comedy Crashing. But first, let's get into Sunday night's Oscars. Uh, if you don't care about the Academy Awards, feel free to skip a- skip ahead. But this Oscars truly had the craziest ending in award show history, so we're gonna break it down now. This, there's a mistake. Moonlight, you guys won Best Picture. Moonlight won. Come on, I, this is not a joke. Come this on. is not a joke. I'm afraid they read the wrong thing. Personally, I blame Steve Harvey for this. I would like to see you get an Oscar anyway. Why can't we just give out a whole bunch of them? I'm going to be really proud to hand this to my friends from Moonlight. That's nice of you. So uh, this is the moment that everyone is talking about uh, today, tomorrow, this week. Um, Basically, you know, I I think moments like this are why we wanted to do a podcast in the first place, I would say. So just kind of a quick recap of, of what happened. So. Uh, you know, Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway are about to announce the award for Best Picture, the final award of the night. And Warren opens the envelope and looks around confused. Uh, it takes him literally like a good 20 seconds of just looking around, laughing, until Faye Dunaway finally announces uh, La La Land as the winner. So the La La Land crew goes up on stage, starts giving their thank you speeches. And about a minute in, there's this commotion happening in the background that something something is afoot and right. uh it's then announced by a la la land producer that they actually lost and the real winner is moonlight uh which is then confirmed by them holding up the correct envelope that says moonlight best picture uh-huh. so from there the moonlight crew freaks out accordingly is in disbelief goes up on stage exchanges hugs with the la la land crew and there's kind of this you know a bit of an awkward exchange between yeah. jimmy kimmel and, you know, the producers of both films and, you know, now that they're giving the Oscar to Moonlight. So this was really the most bizarre moment, not only in Oscar history, but in award show history, one that I think yeah. we'll be talking about for a very, very long time. So, yeah, Rob, what was your what was your like initial reaction to this? Um, yeah. You know, playing out. Well, I mean, I was a little surprised, actually. I was, for whatever <laughs> reason, I was. Ex- <laughs> well, no, I was expecting Moonlight to win. So oh, well, yeah, uh, yeah. it just sort of felt. It felt like Moonlight's Night and, you know, La La Land. There were sort of some some uh, early indications that Moonlight was maybe going to get the nod for Best Picture. So I was, um, you know, I was surprised to hear La La Land, but not not shocked because, you know, it was everybody's... You know, Given the amount of Oscars, it was not... Yeah, exactly. I would say it was the overall favorite. And it still won the most Oscars. Yeah, yeah. As you said, there were early indications throughout so the... So it was ahead, surprising. Man. It was surprising, but... Uh, 
you know, like Warren Beatty, he he opened it and clearly something was wrong. You know, he he looked at it twice and he looked over at uh, Faye Dunaway and he he ended up letting her read the the winner and it looked like she didn't really even look at it. She just probably saw. You know, it was it was Emma Stone's uh, card for right. winning the best actress. Best actress. Um, right. And she she just went with it and said La La Land. So they went up there and uh, and at first you're thinking like. I was saying, like, at first you were thinking Warren Beatty, oh, he's just some senile old man and, like, <laughs> right. milking milking the moment, you know. It, like, the first, uh, you know, enemy of this whole, like, saga was, like, oh, w- Warren Beatty, why are you trying to screw this up? But it turns out that he was just had the wrong card and was very sincere about it. Right. It turned out, so the way they do it is they have two sets of envelopes, um, one on each side of the theater or each side of the stage. Um, so what happened is... Leonardo DiCaprio got uh, the Emma Stone envelope from one side of the stage, came out, that was the, the award before Best Picture, uh, went out, did the presentation, Emma Stone got the award, and then from the other side of the stage, uh, Faye Dunaway and Warren Beatty came out and they were handed the wrong envelope and they just didn't look at it until they got out there. Um, so it was really the fault of the two Price Waterhouse Coopers uh, representatives, um, who apparently this was their. They've been taken care of since since then. <laughs> You're right. Uh, yeah. So this is their 84th year overseeing the the voting and the the results envelopes, and this is obviously their biggest snafu to date. Um, pretty big mix up. But I thought um, Jordan Horowitz, who you mentioned, uh, the producer of La La Land, he. He was the uh, the bald handled gentleman who who spoke first. Yeah, he I mean handled it so graciously. Yeah. You couldn't have handled it in a better way. And he's actually today. I mean, more than anyone is being praised, rightfully so, for just the way he handled it with so much class and grace. Yeah. And you know, I, I saw he did like an interview with the New York Times and said like, you know, we've been on the award circuit with Moonlight for the last six months since these have been like the top two contenders. Right. So they became like friends with them over this, and you know, as he said on stage he's like i'm you know paraphrasing here but he said like i'm proud to give this to my friends at moonlight so yeah they they handled it really well um so yeah that that was a cool moment to see and you can't you obviously can't fault them (laughs) right i mean exactly yeah i mean they they were awarded and they went up on stage and who would have predicted that this was actually going to happen i know and and warren warren Beatty handled it pretty well also he he came back uh you know when the moonlight people were coming up he he got in front of the mic again and said, hey, listen, this was uh, an honest mistake and I was handed the wrong envelope and I wasn't trying to be funny. Um, yeah, I thought that was good for him to do because people were really hate on, hating on him for like that small window of him trying to milk the moment and make it more about him. But uh-huh. once we figured out what had happened, people were like, oh, well, we love Warren Beatty. He's great. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, Jimmy Kimmel, who did a great job all night. We'll get to that. But he did a, you know, he said the Steve Harvey line, like yeah. <laughs> somebody blamed Steve Harvey. That was, that was a good, you know, instant feedback improv, or instant yeah. reaction. That's improv right <laughs> <Yeah>. there. <laughs> uh, one thought I had about the whole situation was that, it, you know, it's too bad that the Moonlight producers didn't have their fair shake at their acceptance speeches because after that, you know, it was kind of just oh my God, uh, what do we do? Uh, you know, they talked a little bit, but... Yeah, they're stunned. Yeah, nobody was well, really even other... paying attention to the speech at that point. So there are so many levels of kind of wackiness to this whole story. So I'm just going to break this down really quickly. So one level is that this only happened 
with the Best Picture Award. The most important award in the... This wasn't, like, the sound editing award that they mixed up the envelopes for, you know. This is Best Picture, the final award of the night. And, you know, as you kind of mentioned, because of the way things unfolded, uh, you know, it's a huge moment that Moonlight won Best Picture here for the Oscars. Definitely. I mean, it's the first... Uh, all black cast to win best picture. Right. Definitely the type of story it's telling is something new for the Academy to recognize at this level. Mm -hmm. And it kind of just because of this snafu really kind of suppressed the moment and the importance of Moonlight winning best picture. I mean, if it was read normally and said the winner is Moonlight, the reaction would have been insane in the audience. I mean, this would have been considered, you know, a kind of a monumental moment for the Oscars Regardless, you know, even if none of this happened, it was just a simple, straightforward, like 99.9% of all other award (laughs) announcements. Um, You know, it's crazy that that happened for Best Picture and for an upset, you know, from La La Land to Moonlight. Yeah, it just kind of added to the the whole hoopla of the situation because Best Picture Award is obviously the last award of the night and the biggest honor uh, the Academy gives out. Um, And... At that point, it was, I don't know, 12.15 Eastern time, 12.30. Oh, so uh, late, yeah. Pretty late. Um, and, Twilight you know, zone. the whole audience was, like, standing up, and it just sort of seemed surreal. Like, nobody knew what to think. And my, I mean, my mouth was wide open. I was like, oh, my God, this is this is a wow moment. You know, we've we've never seen this before. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're watching history. I mean, what was the reaction like uh, with the people you were watching with? I was actually only viewing the Oscars with, with with my roommate at the time. And he was, uh, as the La La Land producer was kind of giving his thank you speech, he was the one that first noticed that there was commotion happening in the background. And he, he kind of pointed out early on of like, no, that something's going on. Like, they're not the winner. He kind of just gauged the reactions of who he saw behind, yeah. uh, you know, who was speaking at the time. What was, how did that kind of unfold in like your your... Uh, setting right well i was at a an oscars party as you know um it was a big thing out here in uh in northern la <laughs> yeah uh with some friends and it was a really really fun experience but uh yeah so there were a ton of people in the room and we were all i you know i was just watching intently at the the speech and um i saw the person in the headset the you know the producer from abc whoever that was uh with the headset on and i was like that's weird why why would he be on stage? <laughs> and then you see normal. another one. Yeah, you see another one, and they're collecting the envelopes. I was like, oh man, something's something's going on here. And then obviously we, yeah. So people were just sort of commenting, but I was I was just fixated on it, like oh my god. And uh, you know, afterwards, obviously everybody that's all everybody was talking about, and it kind of mm-hmm. stole the show from from everything else that happened last night. But uh, yeah, no, that, that's interesting. I think yeah, we had two kind of uh, pretty different experiences of watching it unfold right but um you know obviously moments like this in 2017 with social media and the internet really like the internet lives for these moments like the live event awkwardness just a a meme frenzy oh yeah i mean i saw some great ones i mean obviously there's a lot of redundant jokes out there but yeah i mean some i i I found that were funny like there was a screenshot of of damien chazelle kind of like the moment he understood what was happening and uh-huh. that La La Land hadn't won. And, and kind of the tweet was like, the moment Damien Giselle became a supervillain. Because it was like this <laughs> moment, you know, where his like innocence is lost. That that was pretty funny. Um, there's this great photo of the crowd's reaction as this was happening. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but you see uh, Meryl Streep, Matt Damon, The Rock, all stunned. It almost looks like 
they're in a performance, you know, but because yeah. you, know, you see all these actors and actresses, but it's right when they find out. <laughs> and I also like someone I saw on Twitter say that, you know, Warren Beatty pulled off the coveted and rarely executed reverse Kanye. Which I thought was pretty uh, nice. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just yeah. like, which I don't think has ever been done before. And uh, I also saw just one other tweet that um, someone reacting to it. It was the, uh, the Peter Serretta, who's the owner of the movie Bog slash film, uh-huh. and he was saying that he's always wondered what would happen if a presenter just randomly announced a different winner. And this was the closest we've ever come to that. So yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it was it was just uh, yeah. Like I said, the you know moments are made. Uh, for in the internet for this type of thing so it was was funny to see a lot of that my favorite internet uh sort of feedback to this or reaction was uh, i've seen it on multiple sources but it's the the seinfeld episode where he's doing the race uh and oh yeah i saw that one as well yeah and he it's the la la land and elaine has la la land floating on her and he pushes her aside and then the moonlight (laughs) it's his current girlfriend and he gives her the big hug it's that was i thought that was pretty good yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so so let's get into the rest of the show. Obviously, that was the biggest moment of the night. But mm-hmm. let's let's talk a little more about the rest of uh, the the show and winners. What do you think? Yeah, so I think um, you know, talking about La La Land, and we mentioned this earlier that there were some early indications um, in the night of that. Oh, maybe this won't be winning Best Picture. I thought when it didn't win some of the early aesthetic awards, so costume design, editing, sound mixing, mm-hmm. those went to other films. And I thought that was kind of an interesting precursor of, oh, maybe this isn't happening for La La Land. Maybe it gets mm-hmm. like snubbed and, you know, doesn't win anything. But And I also noticed that it didn't win uh, a writing award. And I saw that if it were to have won Best Picture, it would have been the first film in about the last decade to win without a Best Screenplay. Oh, interesting. I think that in, in, in The Artist would have been the only two films to have won Best Picture, but uh-huh. without winning uh, a screenplay award. Yeah. So, so yeah, I thought it was interesting to see those early indications. Um, you know, as far as yeah, other awards, I thought uh, you know Casey Affleck over Denzel. We talked about in the last episode that Denzel had been gaining a lot of steam, and I kind of thought it was at the point where you know that momentum was too strong and he was going to win. So it was it was cool to see Casey Affleck get that re- recognition. He's had a really interesting career. I thought he gave a pretty gracious speech, and um, I, I, I don't know. I kind of like that the Academy kind of reverted back to kind of the initial uh, race of, you know, Casey Affleck had the best performance right. and didn't get caught up in sort of the momentum over the last month. Um, you know, Hacksaw Ridge winning some awards was interesting uh-huh. with film editing. I think I saw that that guy, he had been nominated for like 21 uh, Oscars up to uh-huh. this point and hadn't won. And finally and this won. Was his first win. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, you know, that was cool. Uh Moonlight winning for best writing. This was before you know Moonlight won best picture. I thought it was that was a you know a great script and it, it was cool to see Barry Jenkins uh, give you know an acceptance speech. I thought it was very powerful. Um, and you know also with Moonlight, uh, Marhashaha La Ali. Still can't uh, pronounce that very well. No. Marishala. <laughs> best supporting actor. He was actually the first Muslim actor to win an Oscar. I saw and the first black man to win an acting award since uh, Forrest Whitaker in 2007. Uh, so yeah, those were some initial things that stood hey, out to me. Uh, what about you? We both botched that name again. It's Mahershala. It's easy. Mahershala. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah, my girlfriend I, will kill me if I get this wrong I'm gonna again. Call Mahershala. Him, uh, <laughs> Mahershala Ali. Ali. Mr. Best supporting Ali actor, Moonlight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, what other wins or surprises kind of stood out to you? 
Well, yeah, like like I said earlier, I was uh, a little surprised when La La Land was announced initially for Best Picture because I was thinking after um, uh, Damien Chazelle won Best Director for La La Land, it just felt like this happens quite often where the two best movies uh, of the year, sort of the critical consensus, one will win Best Director and then the other will win Best Picture. So I, as soon as uh, Damien Chazelle won Best Director, I was thinking, okay, it feels like Moonlight is going to win Best Picture. Um, and ultimately, <laughs> ultimately that is what happened. But yeah, um, the show I thought was great. Uh, the whole show, it felt very light and very fun. You younger. Know, fun to watch. Yeah, yeah younger audience uh, sort of playing to a different crowd a little bit when uh, Jimmy Kimmel did a great job. Uh, well, and to, the show started out with Justin Timberlake, uh, you know, killing the performance of Can't Stop the Feeling. Uh, it got the audience up on their feet and everyone sort of having a good time. And, you know, it, it was just a, a nice light opening to the show. <clears throat> um, Jimmy's monologue was nice. It was uh, not too long, not too short, not too political, you know, but he had the one line about, you know, saying just having a conversation with someone that you disagree with, but you like and... Uh, with a you know a positive considerate conversation and that will make america great again or whatever yeah. and that that's sort of all he all well, he that mentioned politically in the live which tweeting, was all you needed to say yeah the li- the the live tweet at trump i thought was was nice as well in the middle oh, of it. right but, yeah yeah i mean he has very strong interplay with celebrities i think um you know he he felt a lot more present than like your average host at the Oscars. Mm-hmm. I feel like just the amount of screen time he got, the amount of bits. Definitely. And I think he's really kind of the ideal host if the Oscars are, are you know, keep, and it would be smart of them to do this, like bridging the gap between older and younger audiences. Right. I thought it was a smart decision to open with the Justin Timberlake number that you mentioned. And it, it kind of felt like the Grammys right off the bat. And you could tell they're trying to aim for a younger, more exciting show. Yeah. You know, ratings have been kind of slipping over the last few years. So I think it's it, it was clearly a conscious effort to make it feel younger. And I think they did that. Yeah. And I thought the live performances of the uh, Best Original Song nominations uh, or nominees uh, were really good throughout. You know, it was Justin Timberlake and then the song from Moana sung by this 16-year-old who did a great did you job. See her, uh, did you see her get hit with one of the flags, though? <laughs> I did. I did notice that. Yeah, she, yeah. she, she yeah, handled right. it well. Right, right. No, that yeah, was I tough. Uh, that would have knocked me off my game if that happened. I know. <laughs> yeah, and some other moments from the night uh, when the Hidden Figures star, uh, or not star, the the woman that the movie's based on, Katherine Johnson, who's 98 years old, came out on in the wheelchair uh, I thought that was a, a touching moment. Yeah, that was cool. And uh, what else? Uh, you know, the Matt Damon bit with Jimmy Kimmel all night was really <laughs> funny. Yeah, I mean, they just... The We Bought a Zoo. Yeah. We the, Bought a Zoo That was so uh, funny. That was maybe the biggest laugh. Yeah. That movie, I've never seen it, but it seems like it's the perfect fodder for... <laughs> for something like that right. and i did like the inspiration segment so oh yeah seth rogan with back to the future charlie's their with the apartment uh-huh. i thought those were cool uh it was a it was a nice touch definitely and uh yeah and then jimmy kimmel like playing off matt damon when he and ben affleck right. were introducing i thought that was great but and also uh some other things i wanted to mention were just the the montages for the best actor awards so you know actor actress and then supporting roles uh they did really great montages of previous winners, and I thought that was really heartfelt and 
really impactful and sort of showed you the significance of these awards and sort of what it means to cinema history. And uh, I also wanted to mention the commercials for the Oscars this year. I thought were really... The Rolex commercial. Yeah, the Rolex commercial I was going to mention and the Cadillac commercial. Perfect tie-in. Yeah, they just, I mean, I was like, is this part of the show or is this a commercial? You know, it's just so many great movie legends on screen and uh, wearing Rolexes, obviously. Uh, But yeah, I just, I mean... What about some things... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I think overall it was a very strong Oscars. Uh, There were a few lowlights that I wanted to touch on. Uh Um, Do you want to, do you want to get to those or do you have a few other highlights you wanted to? Well, one last, uh, a couple more highlights. Obviously everyone's talking about the group of bus tourists that were. Did you think that was real? Yeah. We're not sure if it's real yet. Uh, You know, Jimmy Kimmel's sort of known for doing bits like this on his, on his late night show. Um, And so we're not quite sure, but it seemed real. I mean, the people's reactions were real. It seemed like, and Obviously, the the audience and the mm-hmm. the big A list actors in the front row didn't know it was coming. I, I don't think, and they played to it well. And Ryan Gosling and Denzel Washington and you know Nicole Kidman, they all they all reacted well, and it made for you know interesting moments with between you know celebrities and regular people, I guess. Uh, and uh, mean the mean tweets read was very funny. They came back from a commercial with celebrities reading mean tweets which is another um, another bit from jimmy kimmel live uh and the kid from lion the sunny pawar when uh when jimmy came over and held him up and did the lion king oh and yeah <laughs> he was like he, he when uh he was being held up he was like lemon heads and right. gumdrops <laughs> or whatever yeah, i thought that was great and just it made me a want really some cool moments i haven't had lemon heads in a while <laughs> i know um like, oh, throwback yeah i think um you know, mentioned a few lowlights. I think the first one that stands out, and it was in the earlier part of the show, is Suicide Squad winning <laughs> Best Makeup. Now, I know. I know the makeup award doesn't really matter, but Suicide Squad has more Oscars than Vertigo and as many as Citizen Kane, which I saw, which Ouch. is insane. And I know you can always pull like those kinds right. of examples every year when there's some obscure or terrible film that won an aesthetic award but i just wanted to point that out i'm sure on the blu-ray cover for suicide squad it's going to be you know oscar yeah (laughs) suicide squad to kind of drive sales it's not wrong um you know mel gibson has such a weird presence at these his face is just strange to me and it seemed like he was on something i don't know like i well i never felt probably was. was on screen oh yeah absolutely and his like 25 year old girlfriend um he's not he's not known for his sobriety right right and just he just looks so weird man i don't know i couldn't get around it um also i don't know what meryl streep was nominated for it's florence foster jenkins but the clip of her right in her nomination <laughs> I, it, it made me I, i'll never watch that movie it, it was like the i don't even know it was some kind of like musical singing 1800s painted make it was all i don't know what that was but i never want to see it again it just it's I, not, i'm a huge fan of meryl streep i mean she's one of the greatest actresses of all time but that seemed like an award like oh just because meryl's in it let's nominate her yeah a lot of people were saying maybe she shouldn't have been nominated for best actress and you know give it to somebody else but i i don't really have much interest to see that movie i've heard it's pretty good and you know pretty funny but it's i haven't seen it yet and it's not high on my list uh, really, but yeah, and one other low light I wanted to mention that's getting another, uh, a lot of run on the internet as well is uh, Nicole Kidman's 
uh, alien clapping. hands clapping. Oh yeah. I, yeah, I'm I sure she's like people the Slender Man. That. Yeah, right. <laughs> she's an alien. I mean, she she yeah. is like I, she's I, like I, clapping with the base of her hands and right. holding her fingers out. You know, I was like, what's going on here? I didn't notice it live, but then it was the biggest thing of the you know another meme central. Yeah, if some like creature like crawled out of her skin and she it was like something like Men in Black esque. Yeah. I don't know. That was that was kind of weird. Um, <laughs> and just one other low light, and we mentioned this earlier. The show was just way too long. I mean, yeah. you should be able to do everything you want to do in under three hours. This went, as you said earlier, went to twelve over past midnight Eastern time. So you're looking at well over three and a half hours. And I'm sure that's a combination of things, but they got to get that fixed. I yeah. Mean, three hours. You should be able to do, I don't care what it is you're presenting or what kind of show it is, anything. <laughs> You can do it in three hours, well, man. Like it's it's that was crazy. I usually feel that way, but this one, for whatever reason, maybe it was the fact that I was at a party and eating great food. You know, themed. We had themed food of, of all the sorts of movies and uh, themed drinks, and you know, it was very Oscar centraled out. But uh, yeah, maybe it didn't feel that long for me. And I think Jimmy Kimmel had a big part to in that. Like you know, he kept it very light throughout the night, and it didn't feel as long as other shows that that seemed sort of to trudge through to the end. And yeah, but it, it always sort of feels weird that the the biggest awards of the night come at the end when everybody's kind of drained and yeah. wants to get out of there and is, uh, people at home are ready to go to sleep and tomorrow's Monday, you know. Right, right. Get what out were of the, here. Um, um, you mentioned this this party, right? I wanted to ask, because uh, it was a costume party that people dressed related right. to different films that were nominated. Were there any stand- standouts out of the costumes? Um. Well, actually, one of the the hosts, uh, it was to a couple, Jenny and Dan. Jenny was dressed as as uh, Florence Foster Jenkins, which was really funny. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, yeah, I went as in my monkey costume, my, my monkey onesie that some people oh, yeah. may know, have seen before. <laughs> you know, I didn't want to buy anything because whatever. Uh, but I, I went as a nocturnal animal, which had the, the Michael Shannon nomination. Nice, nice. Um, and yeah, someone was dressed as like Andrew Garfield from Hacksaw Ridge. And uh, there were a few others. Uh, not everybody dressed up, but everybody b- uh, brought sort of a themed a themed food or drink. And it was, it was a lot of fun. Nice. I watched it in my... Uh this really cool outfit called sweatpants and a t-shirt. It was, it was awesome. <laughs> yeah, nice. Well, I was in a <laughs> onesie, right, so it was, right. it was similar. Yeah. Well, and, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention my girlfriend was uh, in her hot dog onesie nice. as a, a, a shout out to Sausage Party, which she felt was snubbed for the best animated feature category. Hey, man, couples that onesie together stay together. <laughs> stay I, together. I, I've been in a yeah. onesie with my girlfriend before, too, so uh, no shame there. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, let me. I wanted to ask you one question, and and I wanted to give my response to this also. Uh, what was your favorite speech of the night? So I think I, I mentioned Barry Jenkins' uh, speech for for writing, mm-hmm. um, and this was you know kind of like or towards the end of the night, but obviously before Best Picture. I thought it was really strong. I thought uh, when OJ made an America one, mm-hmm. uh, Ezra Edelman gave a really poignant speech. Yeah, uh, paid tribute to the victims of the oj trial right um ron goldman and nicole brown simpson uh and i yeah those those stood out to me okay um i noticed there wasn't a ton of playoff music in this this uh, this year which usually becomes like a staple of the first half of the awards is people going on too long being played off i think maybe that added to the length Uh but i noticed there was less of that yeah what stood out to you you know what i mean 
it's obviously, yeah, the show's long. Some people are going to have a problem with it, but this is a huge night for all of these people in their career. And yeah, I mean, give them an extra 30 seconds to say their piece. I'm always sort of, I'm always sort of turned off by when it's three people accepting the award and then one person speaks and says their thing. And then the next person goes up and tries to say something. And then the other people start walking off stage and they're like, they're left there sort of hanging. And I'm like, Oh man, this is the biggest moment of that guy or girl's career. And they just got sort of booted out. You know, it's like, damn, I, I would want to say something, you know? Yeah. Um, well, and I, I wanted to mention real quick, uh, you mentioned, uh, the people versus OJ Simpson. I had a few people asking me, or saying where can I watch that? It's OJ uh, made it in America. It on the... OJ made it. I, you said the people versus. OJ. Oh, sorry. I said the people versus OJ Simpson. You're sorry. In, uh, that was the world. FX. Yeah, that was the FX show. Yeah, yeah, yeah it made in America. Um, it, you can watch it on the Watch ESPN app. I, I'm pretty sure it's still all parts. Yeah, that's of, how I watched it. Yeah, it's all still up on that app. So if you have that, um, so my favorite. Uh, speech of the night probably well I mean there were a few the Barry Jenkins one like you said and his his co-writer I'm not sure his name um but the best foreign language film uh it the winner was the salesman from Iran and I thought the speech so the director is Asghar Farhadi and he should have accepted the award but he he was protesting the awards this year because of the the travel ban that was you know his rationale and he said he didn't want to you know come to america when there's all this uh, separation and he mentioned sort of uh you know us versus them creates fear and so he had uh a representative uh from from iran um who was where is her name uh Anusha, Anusha Ansari, who's a, an engineer, and she's the first Iranian to travel into space. Um, so I thought that was really cool that, uh, you know, they it was a very political moment, but um, it was a nice speech. And uh, so this director, Asghar Farhadi, actually, this is his second Oscar. He won Best Foreign Language Film in 2011, also for A Separation. So uh, both of those movies I, I haven't seen, but I, I really want to check those out now because it's rare that you know, somebody wins two Oscars, so. Sure. So we actually want to round off uh, this Oscars talk on a uh, sad note. Debris, Dusty, we have debris! Debris! Right! Oh my God. Oh my God. I think we're going in! Bill Paxton, the uh, famed actor from movies such as uh, Titanic, Aliens, uh, Apollo 13, etc., actually passed away over, uh, I think it was late Saturday night, early Sunday morning. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, what you just heard of was a clip of him from, from Twister, and he died at age 61 due to surgery complications. And a- as we pointed out on Twitter, he's the only actor to ever be killed on screen by an alien, predator, and Terminator, the first and only. Uh-huh. And yeah, we just kind of wanted to pay a quick tribute to him. I think he was excellent in genre films. He always yeah. had a really unique presence, and he and he took chances. So it's really sad to see him go at such a young age. Yeah, just a great character actor, and in you know some very notable and sort of cult classics. And he's always he always had a good presence and very funny. Um, and you know it was very sad to hear that news Sunday morning. Uh, and Jennifer Aniston mentioned it when she came out to do the in memoriam for for the year um which i also wanted to mention sarah borellis her performance um she sang joni mitchell's both sides now 
Uh, and that was, you know, she has just a beautiful voice and it was a really touching in memoriam. But uh, yeah, it was sad mm-hmm. to see Bill Paxton go. Yeah, definitely. So RIP to Bill Paxton. So uh, now that we've rounded off our Oscar talk, we're going to get into our three recommendations of the week. Let's begin with the new movie, Get Out. Uh, Rob, I know we, we both saw this this weekend. We were freaking out about it afterwards, exchanging <laughs> passionate texts. Yeah. And uh, yeah, let's let's give our listeners a, a rundown of uh, why they should see Get Out. Sure. So yeah, just to mention up front, we're, we realized this came out this, this past weekend and uh, we don't want to give any spoilers away. Just want to give everybody a yeah, chance to free. see it. Yeah, it's going to be spoiler free. If you don't want to hear anything at all, you can fast forward to the next recommendation. But we we promise we're not going to spoil anything. Um, yeah. So Get Out is an R-rated comedy, and it's crazy that for an R-rated horror comedy. Yeah, horror comedy. That's yeah. a, that's a good point. Yeah, horror <laughs> yeah. comedy. I wanted to say yeah. comedy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a hundred percent fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, which you know, say what you will about Rotten Tomatoes, but it is, you know, that doesn't happen often. Yeah, it doesn't happen often at all, especially for a horror movie um, and an R-rated movie. You know, there's always at least a few people with some backlash to it, but right now it's 100% fresh. Uh, it won the weekend at the box office this weekend. It made $30.6 million, um, which is, you know, huge for a comedy horror R-rated. Uh, so Jordan Peele is the writer and director. This is actually his first feature film uh, that he directed. Uh, he wrote last year Keanu um, and starred with uh, Keegan-Michael Key, who's his, uh, you know, of Key and Peele fame. They were co-stars in Keanu, but yeah, this is uh, Jordan Peele's first uh, work at directing, and I think he, you know, pretty pretty well succeeded here. It's promising. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so the stars of this movie, uh, Daniel Kaluuya, uh, an English actor, uh, plays Chris Washington. Allison Williams, uh, sort of best known for Girls on HBO, plays Rose Armitage, and then um, Catherine Keener and Bradley Whitford are the parents, the Armitages, uh, and yeah, Lake, Lake, Lakeith Stanfield from Atlanta, uh, and then Lilrel Howery, who played Rod Williams, the, uh, TSA agent, who's very funny throughout the movie. Oh yeah. He sort of brings like the comic relief the whole way through and a really great performance by him. Uh, yeah, so I just wanted to say real quick, like this was just a really fun movie theater experience. I, I highly recommend people see it in the theater. Don't wait until it comes out. Um, especially, I mean, a lot of You need of to things, see it with strangers. Yeah, it's good. It's yeah. a, a lot of feedback happens and a lot of re- audience reaction is going to happen in your theater, uh, you know, clapping and so forth. Um, and it's one of those movies that could definitely be spoiled for you. So I recommend you see it before that happens. Uh what do you think about it, Ben? Yeah. Man, I loved it. I would say this was easily my favorite horror film since It Follows, which came uh-huh. out in 2014, and one of my favorite horror films of of the century. So since like 2000, really. I mean, just to give people a, a quick background on, on, on the setup of the plot. So Allison Williams plays, uh, you know, the girlfriend of uh, the lead role who's played by uh, Daniel Kaleu. Kalua, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, anyway, so uh, and they meet uh, Alice Williams' parents for the first time. They go visit her 
uh, parents' estate in upstate New York. It's kind of this wooded area with no neighbors. And they drive up there to spend the weekend, and they quickly realize, or in particular, uh, character played by uh, Daniel is uh, things are not as they seem. And from there, we won't say much more. That's kind of the initial setup. But uh-huh. yeah, I think th- this movie, it's hilarious. It's scary. And it's really surprising. Yeah. It's all three of those things. And it's paced very well. The The third act is, is truly amazing and something that you, as Rob mentioned, you really want to see. Uh, with with an audience, mm-hmm. I thought uh, it didn't rely. It doesn't rely much on gore it, it, or cheap like gotcha scares where things something just like jumps out. Uh-huh. And I, I really respect its restraint there. Um, and I think that's a testament to the strength of the script and the characters and the casting. It, you know, it, it's a horror movie that doesn't need to rely on like gross out gore or anything like that. Right. Um, I think yeah, the performances by Allison Williams and Catherine Keener are are amazing. And, uh, yeah, even if you're not a big fan of horror movies, I would make an exception for Get Out because it kind of transcends the horror genre, as we mentioned. It's it's really funny. It's surprising. Uh, yeah, highest recommendation. It reminded really. me well, it reminded me of a lot of uh, Cabin in the Woods. That was sort of my initial... Yeah, that's uh, a good comparison. Yeah, comparison just for the satirical elements and sort of flipping the genre on its head and making it funny and scary. And like you said, uh, you know... Jordan Peele did a great job with the directing, uh, doing some some really good scares and a level of tension throughout the movie that was really well done. So yeah, I, yeah, it's it's a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes for a reason. There are uh, you know, given the racial intertwinements of of the film, uh-huh. uh, a lot of racial undertones that are very true and powerful, mm-hmm. and that's just another another way that adds like new depth to this type of movie. Right. So so yeah, that is that is Get Out. It's in theaters, and uh, we definitely suggest that you get out to see it. Hey now, <laughs> cool. So our next recommendation is uh, this website slash webpage called themagicipod.com. So. If you're into mashups, this is something that I, I really me- recommend checking out. Uh, some of us, including uh, my co-host, may not be the biggest fan of mashups, but I think that this is uh, a really fun tool that people uh, who have kind of nostalgic memories for you know last decade of music uh, would will really have fun playing around with. So, I mean, if you ever thought you know Jay Z's "99 Problems" and "Float On" by Modest Mouse would go well together. You can go to this site to check it out, or you know, "Touch the Sky" by Kanye West combined with "Over My Head" by The Fray, uh-huh. or "Country Grammar" by Nelly mixed with Avril Lavigne's "Complicated." <laughs> On the surface, that may sound awful, but what this site is is that it allows you to create your own mashup. So, strictly using rap and pop songs from the year 2007. So. The webpage is super simple, stripped down. On one side, it's 20 popular rap songs from 2007, and on the other side, it's 20 popular pop rap songs from the same year. And you literally drag a rap song of your choice into a, one of the pop songs, and voila, boom. It plays. A mashup yeah. is created. It automatically syncs the speeds of both songs, and you can easily download it as an MP3. So as I mentioned, it's – the this webpage it's very plain there's no branding or advertisements or even a title there's just a link at the bottom to donate to the aclu so Mm -hmm. it's you know supporting a good cause and i just think it's a fun tool like if you're into mashups and and it'll make you feel nostalgic for the year 2007 yeah and uh yeah i i i recommend uh you know our listeners just giving it a go around 
Yeah, again, that's uh, themagicipod.com. Um, like you said, my your co-host, me, <laughs> not a huge fan of mashups. I never have been. I, I just don't really... Yeah you know understand like let's take two great songs and make one song that's not as good that's as either as good. one <laughs> you know it's uh you know things like the gray album that came out jay-z's the black album mixed with the beatles oh, man, the white album. The album yeah that's actually one that you know had some had some songs that i thought worked and then you know jay-z and lincoln park uh, came together for collision course which i thought was kind of cool um but they you know those songs were produced in the studio you know specifically you know they sort of mixed them again and and re-sang and wrapped some of the verses so it was a little bigger production value than this but this is a cool website if you're if you're into mashups uh it's definitely worth checking out and it's fun and it's very nostalgic like you said uh the year 2007 was our freshman year of college so obviously a pretty formative part (laughs) of our life um good point so yeah it's it's a cool website Cool. So that is the magicipod.com. And our uh, third and final recommendation of this episode is the new HBO series Crashing. So Rob, do you want to give uh, some details on that? Yeah. So uh, this is a new 30 minute comedy show on HBO, HBO Go, HBO Now. Um, <laughs> the trifecta. And episode one, <laughs> you're right. Uh, episode one aired a couple weeks ago. Um, so this show is created by Pete Holmes, the comedian, and uh, and written written by uh, Pete Holmes also, at least the first episode is. I think it's a, a team of about eight writers, uh, including uh, Judd Apatow, who everybody recognizes that name from his uh, directorial uh, experience, his movies, um, some bigger bigger comedy. And, you know, he's, he's known f- uh, for being a producer of Girls on HBO also. Uh, he actually directed this first episode. Um, I think he directed two of the episodes this season. Uh, yeah, so it's a 30-minute format, um, short comedy series um, about. I'll let you. I'll let you go into. That's a little background, but I'll let you go into what sort of the yeah. plot is here. So yeah, the setup is basically Pete Holmes. He plays Pete. I think it's semi-autobiographical uh-huh. the, the series, and he's an aspiring comedian in New York City. And after he catches his wife cheating on him with kind of hilarious results in a way even though that's it's tragic but Uh it's it's somewhat hilarious as well he's basically forced to start over and try to piece his life back together and that includes weaving himself deeper into the uh, local comedy scene and each episode through different circumstances he ends up quote-unquote crashing Uh at a different comedian's place so in the first episode uh he Meets up with, uh, through circumstance, Artie Lang, who you know from Howard Stern and, you know, other, he's a stand-up comedian. And he plays himself. And I think this show, it, it kind of reminds me a bit of Louis, but not as serious. And what really reminded me about it is that it has comedians playing themselves. So Artie Lang is in the first episode. TJ Miller, who you know from Silicon Valley, is in the second episode. And I think overall, uh, you know, the show's really funny. It's light. I think Pete Holmes, he he does uh, a really nice job of making his character, like his comedic skills feel very amateur, but also like promising. Uh And I think that's a really hard balance where, you know, look, he's a professional comedian. He could make this guy seem like he's already a professional comedian, but he just gives you just enough that makes it seem like, okay, he's still trying to figure out 
his comedy style and what works and what doesn't. Right. But there's still like a lot of promise in the jokes that he says. And I, I really like his performance. He's he's very funny, likable, sympathetic. He oozes kind of that nice guy spirit um, that, you know, people are familiar with. And, you know, he's a fan of the Christian rock band Jars of Clay, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny, which is in the second episode. And yeah, I, I really dig this show. It's a, really about the underworld, uh, underground world of stand-up comedy in NYC. It kind of takes a behind-the-scenes look into the inner workings of a comedy show. It, it feels like it's made for comedians, and I would really just recommend it to anyone who's a fan of any of Judd Apatow's work or, yeah. or into stand-up comedy or like the life of comedians. Yeah, that's a good point. And um, some other stars in it are Lauren Lapkus, uh, who plays Pete Holmes' wife, and... George Basil, who plays who plays Leaf, who is uh, uh, well, you'll find out, but he's an interesting character. There's an interesting dynamic with uh, Lauren Lapkus and he. But um, and some other comedians that star, we haven't seen them yet. There's only been two episodes released, but uh, Hannibal Burris, uh, Dave Attell, Jim Norton, Rachel Ray, and Sarah Silverman are apparently all featured on episodes later in the season. Um, Another thing I wanted to mention, um, Chris Kelly uh, directed two episodes of the series, and he, I wanted to shout out the the movie he did last year called Other People with Molly Shannon and Jesse Plemons. I thought that was a really, really cool, uh, lesser talked about um, sort of indie Sundance movie. Um, And yeah, it's a really, really cool movie. But yeah, getting back to Crashing, uh, it's it's a funny sort of easygoing uh, New York City based comedy, uh, and yeah, like like Ben said, if you like stand up comedy or situational humor, um, I think you'll you'll really dig this. And uh, yeah, it's an easy thirty minute watch. Cool. So yeah, that is crashing on HBO, and the third episode is coming up this Sunday. So that's it for for this episode of Must Go Faster. Uh, Thanks so much to everyone for listening. Just a reminder to rate and review us on iTunes and Stitcher. That's really helpful for us getting the word out. So keep that up. And we'll be back next week with another new episode. And to quote Bill Paxton from Aliens, Game over, man. This game over. Game over.